0: Hi everyone, Drew Road here. In honor of the Thanksgiving holiday in America, we have Dr. Michelle Paris here on the Broken Brain Podcast to talk about the power of community and the important role connection plays when it comes to our brain health. Dr. Paris also helps us understand how our social connections can influence our health for the better or for the worse, and how one of the most important things we can do to support our healing journey is surround ourselves with like-spirited people who also want to invest in their health and better themselves you know community is such an important topic but it can go overlooked very easily in this day and age where it can seem it can seem like we have a lot of friends both online and off but the data from various surveys including from the general social survey shows us that the average number of confidants someone has has gone down over the last 20 years and then a quarter of the people that responded to the survey reported that they don't feel like they even have one friend that they can truly open up to. And for all the parents that are listening that think this is only an issue impacting millennials or young people obsessed with social media, they might be surprised to learn that this is a society-wide issue. In fact, Stanford Center on Longevity created something called the Sightlines Project, and their surveys have shown that people age 55 to 64 today are far less engaged and more isolated than the people of their same age group 20 years ago. You know, the Western world is starving for true connection, and that's why I'm so excited for today's podcast with Dr. Michelle Paris. Now, before we jump in, I just wanna share my gratitude to all the listeners of the community who left a review to show their appreciation for the Broken Brain Podcast. It truly means the world, and I'm so thankful for your listenership. Now, on to my formal intro for Dr. Michelle Paris. Welcome to the Broken Brain Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Roy, executive producer of the Broken Brain docuseries. This podcast is dedicated to continuing the conversations that Dr. Hyman and I started during The broken brain series each week we'll invite a new guest who we think can help you improve your brain health help you feel better and most importantly live your best life today's guest on the podcast is a new friend of mine who i'm happy to have in my world dr michelle paris dr michelle paris is a naturopathic doctor community builder speaker women's empowerment advocate and mother dr paris is the clinic director at the poppy clinic an integrative medical clinic based in Toronto, Canada. Dr. Paris is also the creator of the popular community health initiative, The Rebel Tribe, which is all about bringing badass women together and supporting each other. And we're gonna talk all about it in today's podcast and what you can learn from it. Dr. Paris has a private practice in the city of Oakville while also dedicating her time on cultivating a community health programs aimed at health education and women's empowerment. She believes that connection is essential for optimal health and living a vibrant life. She's passionate about helping women of all ages and life stages and teaching them how to listen to their bodies and tune into the wisdom inside of them. Dr. Paris graduated from both the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine, as well as the University of Calgary. As a clinician, Dr. Paris focuses on women and children, hormone health and digestion. She's the proud creator of Dr. Mom MD, an online resource for health conscious moms and their natural babies. When she's not working through health concerns with her patients, you'll find her sipping on bulletproof coffee, hanging out with her tribe, which includes her super cool husband, and playing with her two young kids. Dr. Paris, welcome to the Broken Brain Podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Drew. I'm honored to be
0: here. And congratulations are in order. You just launched your podcast, which is dedicated to this very specific mission. Tell us what that is and what the name of the podcast.
1: Oh, thank you. It's called Rebel Talk, and it's an extension of what we are doing in our community group, Rebel Tribe. I really became inspired by women sharing their story, and I, I could just see The growth in that and how that really helped other women connect more to their story and feel a little bit braver in their lives. So continually being asked to bring Rebel Tribe elsewhere, I thought, what better way than to get amazing speakers onto the podcast and have other women share their stories so that everyone, every person who's interested has access to that incredible information and and find that connection to themselves and, and to others.
0: You know, community is so important and getting people together in the space of community is a key part of health that is only more recently being discovered, even though we've lived it for millions and millions of years, we were always there to support each other. Well, for hundreds of thousands of years and thousands of years, we've been there. We've supported each other. Humanity lived through community. But in today's day and age, we're driving ourselves in some elements towards more social isolation and people are craving that aspect of community. I'm obsessed with origin stories and I'm always interested in how somebody got so passionate about this topic. So where did this dedication to Not only women's health, but community and bringing people together. Where did it start in your own journey?
1: Yeah, I love that question. And I have to say, like, it's a fairly new discovery for me as well in terms of being a clinician and how to incorporate community into my practice. But I think my. Passion definitely started off with my own story. When I was younger, I definitely struggled with social connection and and social adversity. I had a wonderful life, wonderful family, wonderful people around, but uh, I just really never truly felt like I belonged anywhere, and and that that weighed on me personally. And when I was 18, and it really was more like round circle square peg. Like I just didn't seem to feel like I genuinely belonged. So fast forward to when I was around 18 years old and I experienced what for me felt like huge social adversity and a bit of a abandonment. I had very catastrophic thinking and I, I remember thinking I'm, I'm going to be so alone and I'm feeling so sad about this. And And in that that moment, uh, one person sort of stood up and gave me a moment of grace and just kind of held space. It happened to be a woman who just held space for me and just connected and just allowed me to be and. I guess would gave me the power back to connect back to myself, remember who I was. And in that moment, I learned a lot. I learned the power of connection. And I also learned that connection can come from one single person in terms of helping you thrive and get through difficult times. As a clinician, I think my passion came from wanting to open or create a clinical space that incorporated community. I always enjoyed community health initiatives, group detoxes, I got such fulfillment from that. I got fulfillment from watching women connect with each other. I could tell that that deepens their experience in when they were going through a new health challenge or trying something new in terms of dietary changes. I found that really fascinating. So I knew that was going to be a part of what my next step was. But at that time, I got introduced to James Mascal and George Slavic's work about human social genomics. And I started reading a lot more about social cognitive neuroscience. And I was just completely inspired by the power of that. I was totally inspired by the fact that Through learning this, I I know that we're wired for connection. I thought it was so fascinating that, you know, our default thinking when our mind isn't thinking, our, our mind is patterning how we are connecting in the social world. Other things that I was really, in, I took to heart were that when we experience pain, whether it be physical in nature or social in nature, our brain, areas in our brain are stimulated the exact same way. And we have that same sympathetic nervous system response, that same uh, inflammatory cascade to protect ourselves. And it was through that, and then learning more information about how connection increases longevity and it improves health incomes in terms of uh, cancer outcomes or heart health. If you have connection, you have better health outcomes. And I think as a clinician, I could no longer deny or I just had to own that community had to be a part of my practice, whether it was that I was talking to people about how to access community or that I was creating community in my own clinical space. Um, it just had to be a part of where I I took my practice next or where I took my health and the health of my patients next.
0: You, you mentioned something really important that I think let's, let's unpack it a little bit more. (laughs) Why is community so crucial to our health? Like, What do we know from the research, from the data that's out there and any examples that you might have? of like how impactful it is. you know. Because I think people listen to this podcast, they read books, they do other stuff, primarily their focus is on what are things that I can do myself. So how do I stop eating processed foods? How do I start including healthier things? How do I start doing movement? And sometimes the missing link that we never connect if when we're first getting started off is that we gotta do this with other people. And it's not just a good thing and it's not just fun, it actually makes a difference in our health. So what do we know about community and health?
1: Yeah, I think for me, what really drove this point home is understanding that this is a basic human need. Just like you need shelter and air and access to clean water, you need social connection. Our brain is absolutely wired to connect with others. So like I said, when your, your brain is in this area of non-thinking, it's actually like social patterning and thinking out how you fit into this social world, um, which is so fascinating to me. The concept of attachment, you know, infants have a distress cry so that their caregiver can respond to it. In other species, a lizard, for example, if they had a distress cry, their parent would likely bite off their head and destroy them right so it's an evolutionary thing we are we have this strong need to connect so it does absolutely increase joy and and makes healthcare more fulfilling if you're doing it in in a group but we are absolutely wired to connect and the fascinating part about our brain is how equal it is, whether you've broken your arm or you have experienced social adversity or rejection. And that can even be perceived rejection. It's just your experience, how you're perceiving a situation happen. It stimulates the brain in the exact same way. There are two areas of our brain, the dorsal anterior cingulate cortex and the anterior insula. Those are the areas that are stimulated when the body feels any kind of distressing pain. And that. Stimulation will end up responding in a sympathetic nervous system response. So, you will get your epinephrine, norepinephrine increasing. You will get the hypothalamic pituitary axis stimulation and increasing your cortisol. You'll get vagus nerve stimulation. And through that, we actually see that you will get this release of inflammatory cytokines. And that has a survival purpose, right? So, your body thinks that social pain is very similar to being chased by a saber-toothed tiger. And that to me is, I think we need to emphasize the reason why we have this incredible need to connect and why that needs to be incorporated in our health beyond it being so much more fun and fulfilling. And it truly is. It's also a basic human need that we need to nourish in order to thrive.
0: So what you're saying is that people who feel alone literally there's a stimulation, people who feel isolated, e- even if there's a lot of people around them. It's not just about the number of people around you. It's probably about connection to whether or not you feel connected with them. You are actually creating things inside of your body that are affecting your brain.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you're having a physiological, biochemical reaction to that perceived rejection.
0: And part of it is re- rejection. And part of that could be outward rejection. And part of that could just be that, well, there's nobody around me. So obviously I must've been rejected from the tribe.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: As a practitioner, how do you see this show up in your practice? Like how many people that you see that come in for a health issue, which is a for sure a health issue that's there, something that they're struggling with, something that they're dealing with also have this underlining thing of feeling isolated and separated from the ones around them, even if they have loving and amazing people in their life.
1: I see it happening very frequently in my practice and often, you know, the symptoms that it comes in or they come in for have a lot to do with mental health, a lot of anxiety, um, feeling overwhelmed, not managing their stress well, insomnia, worry, um, digestive issues as a result of that. Um, cause we know of that brain gut connection that that can happen. Um, I love that in my intake forum that we always incorporate questions that uh, will address social connection. And I can tell by what people are writing whether or not we need to go further into that. But I ask almost every person in my office about social connection, who they have to talk to, what that is like for them. And I know that in the creation of Rebel Tribe that, you know, Part of the inspiration of that is that I could truly see in my practice that there were women that wanted to get well and they wanted to take their health to the next level. But they felt you could tell that there was a loneliness piece that they didn't know who to connect with in order to give them the strength and the bravery they needed to take their health to the next level to take those next steps.
0: It's truly fascinating because it's like there's nothing more fundamental than community, than friendship, than belonging. But In a way, it sort of gets pushed back. It gets put on the back burner because of our "quote unquote" you know busy lives. What are what are some of the things that you see out there that are the root issues of why people feel less connected and why people feel uh, isolated? Again, I'm I'm hoping that our listeners are not imagining some you know Unabomber living in the woods somewhere by himself, (laughs) right? This is like everyday people who just feel like. Maybe they don't have the friends that they want to, or their friends are, are negative or not supportive around stuff. It could be that they are on the same page with their partner and that depth is not there. But what are the things? Let's talk about, I'm always interested, you know, in functional medicine, it's like in naturopathic medicine. You're always looking for like the root. What do you think are some of the root issues that are happening today that make it tough for connection, which is so much part of our human nature to take place?
1: I think it has to do with just how our society functions. You know, we are a, you know, a busy hustle society where we're doing, doing, doing. um, And there's not a lot of time or value placed on, you know, being and thinking about other aspects of our health. I, I do think probably historically there was more time built into social connections. So you may not have been aware that that's what was happening, but you were connecting with your community in some way. I even find that families aren't sitting around the table and, and connecting on a daily level as much anymore, right there's so much there's so many activities and making sure that everybody's happy and thriving and doing their best that we're sitting we're forgetting about the most crucial things in our life, which is just to slow down and and to connect with people. And so you know I think our our work schedules don't really foster, you know, healthy connection per se. And maybe we don't realize the importance of it. And hopefully from this conversation, we can emphasize how this needs to be equal to, you know, drinking the green smoothies and and really focusing on sleep and, and fresh water. Like we need to build this in but a lot of people don't feel connected to their spouses. I know when, you know, I think about when I was younger and I had friends, I never was truly alone in in the forest dwelling by myself. I I had connection or I rather I had friends. I could make certain needs be met, but it's that belonging. And sometimes I don't know if we're slowing down and asking ourselves the right questions about, you know, what we're really trying to do here or even just connecting. I know I'm guilty of, working all day, coming home and then continuing to work all night and like truly forgetting to take some time to, you know, spend even half an hour just to ask how my husband's day went or checking in with my kids. Like that is a daily practice. I have to remind myself like, "Oh right, this is important to me. I need to build this into my day." And I just um I think we get caught up in our story and priorities and things that we have to get done and that seems to win out over what we really need to feel truly happy and healthy and connected.
0: You know, when I think about um, living in the village and us all being in the same proximity, and um, a little bit about how humans evolved, I think one of the things that was so baked into our existence that we, in a way, we didn't have to think about it. It was kind of, it was kind of there. It was baked into what we're doing. And today, uh, we were just had Doctor Dan Siegel on the podcast. One of the things that him and I were talking about after the interview was about. The importance of of ritual. We're trying to create these modern day rituals and we're trying to create these examples of community. And yes, we have to plan and yes, we have to make time for it. And yes, we have to think about going on a retreat with our friend or yes, we have to think about that weekly coffee that we get together or that book club. We have to make time for it because we're not living in that same system that we had before. Maybe before in your village, you'd pop out from your, your house or wherever you were living and you'd look outside, and it was just like everybody knew. At sunset, they all gathered over here. In fact, I have friends that spend a lot of time in um, you know, Italy and Spain and other parts of uh, Europe during the summer, and their fondest memories are sort of being done their, their work day. And then everybody gathering together in sort of like the main plaza – in the town and somebody bringing a bottle of wine and somebody else bringing some cheese or somebody bringing this and that and them all just like sitting there unstructured. It wasn't a formal event, bright invite. It just was like a thing that people knew about and they all kind of got together. So it was almost so baked in that we were getting together that way. But now because we don't have that necessarily, we have to plan, we have to put it together. We have to sort of create these intentional opportunities and why I'm sort of going on this long soapbox moment, is that that's part of the work that you're doing. That's part of the work that you're doing with this mm-hmm. Rebel Tribe that you have for women. And my hope is um, in dissecting it and talking a little bit more about the structure, uh, one, of people are interested in it, obviously they can sign up and they can work with you and the tribe, but also maybe they can recreate a little bit of this tribe and this community in their own world. So tell us about Rebel Tribe, what it is, and like what the structure of the program is and why you created it.
1: Yeah. Okay. I love this question. And I like thinking of it as a ritual. Thank you for that word. I'm going to use it. Um, It is a ritual. Uh, Rebel Tribe is a community health initiative, which is based on the premise of of self-care and sisterhood. Really how I now like to explain it is I help women connect themselves to themselves, connect to them, their core, their intuition, who they are, but also connect them to each other. And so we meet once a month. It is a closed group on purpose. I really wanted to give them an opportunity to bond and build connections. And, you know, connections take time. They aren't immediate. So we meet once a month for an evening for two hours. And because my expertise is in women's health, I bring forth a topic, a health topic uh, to connect them with. But we sit in a circle I love that we, you know, what a circle symbolizes that there's no beginning, no end. We're all equal and we take time at the beginning to set an intention and check in with each other. Um, We either introduce each other and introduce ourselves, share a little bit of ourselves in a safe manner. And then I will go uh, off on whatever various health topic. We talk digestion and detoxification and menstrual cycle awareness and breast health and vaginal health and uh, mental health, brain health. It's just women really love the science. They love to learn it. That part was really fascinating to me that they were always asking for more. What are the functional tests? How do I understand this better? Understanding how their body speaks to them. We definitely have... Uh, we're sponsored events. So we end up getting food and drink, which I think is so important when we talk about rituals and connecting that you have an opportunity for break uh, to sit and connect with people you want not otherwise connect with. But in this situation, the, you know, they have one thing in common is that they, they want to connect with others and they want to learn more about their health and themselves. And they're really attracted to this, you know, this like this very our old aspect of looking at tribes and community. And, and I love that. So that's really the premise of how I run it. It's a 10 month program, September to June. It's a curriculum is if you were in school, but this curriculum is really exciting and fun and really empowering. And it's really about helping women take their health back and understand how to advocate themselves in this world. But really the underlying tone was always to build connection And the most amazing thing is that this has grown into various other community health initiatives that are all Rebel Tribe related, but we have now created the alumni. And I think we had close to 80 to 85% retention rate uh, for people to sign back up. When I first launched this, I thought, how can I get women to take two hours of their life once a month, every month for 10 months when, you know, we have such a difficult time getting everything done on a daily basis, getting dishes and and laundry done, no less. So I really thought this was going to be a very big challenge for me. I thought I was going to really have to fight to make this happen. But the first time it sold out and now that there's alumni, we created a new curriculum for them because they wanted to continue the learning. And more importantly, they wanted to continue the connection It was just so inspiring to see that they were like, yeah, give me more. I'm ready. Let's let's do this. And super dedicated to the mission. And what I saw through that was so incredibly inspiring. You know, um, yes, we teach women about their health. And yes, that helps them get connected to themselves. But that doesn't necessarily give them the answers that they need to live a more fulfilling life, but true connection with other like minded, supportive Individuals gave them this bravery to take new steps in their life and to really own their story so they could write the ending, as Brene Brown says that I love so much. You know, if something wasn't serving them, if they were in a work situation or a marriage, it's not it's not like we ever talked about that but being in an empowering room where you feel uplifted, inspired, I think it starts to resonate in a way that you want to live a more authentic life. And that is what I started seeing. I started women, I started seeing women take bold action and brave moves and just trusting their intuition and what they think they were meant to do. Um, and that, that really elevates someone's health that really increases joy and that makes people excited, engaged about life. And that is the really cool part.
0: When you think about your experiences running this, uh, the the rebel tribe, what do you think are practical tips at home that listeners can think about when bringing community together in their own world?
1: Yeah. Not everybody has this opportunity to access a community in this way. So we want to think about how we can help individuals access community and put themselves out there. So there are a number of things I think that we can do. The first thing is to reach out to others. I think you do an incredible job on your social media of reminding us to just Reach out to our friends, let them know that we're thinking about them because I think that works in that, you know, feed forward mechanism where they'll they'll also think of you and and check in with you more often because it's really nice to be thought of. Um, When people invite you out, really say yes, you know, sometimes it can be difficult to put yourself out there, especially if you're introverted, but connection is what you crave. Then you have to say yes to new opportunities and put yourself out there. If there is a Um, skill you've always wanted to learn, you know, sign up for a new class, connect with like-minded people in that way. Uh, Volunteering is an incredible way that can give you deep fulfillment for a number, for various reasons, but also can get you out there helping with others and seeing how connection to another human can really impact their world and how it can impact yours. Social media is a great opportunity to connect you with like-minded people. And I do see this in my practice, you know, people join these social groups on Facebook and then they end up, you know, connecting with someone and then meeting outside in in person and actually building a friendship from that. So, you know, there are definite downfalls to being more isolated on, on your phone, you know, getting lost in social media, but there is also this opportunity to connect.
0: Yeah. I will include the study in the show notes, but I remember, um, in Broken Brain, we referenced a study that showed that if your best friend is obese, you're twice as likely to become obese than if your own parent or partner, a significant other, is obese. And the study was talking about the impact in the space of sociogenomics, social genomics, that our friends can have on our on our health, which I just found is so fascinating, you know, we all all heard this idea that we're the average of the five people that we spend the most time with. Whether that's true or not, you know, we have to like look into that. But I think there is some truth to it, and I think the truth is that when you have a friend, you want to mimic them, you want to be similar to them, you end up doing similar experiences together. So if your friends are all headed to the you know bar on a Friday night, you know instead of a hike on a Saturday morning, then that's what you're gonna do. You're gonna do those things. You have thoughts or have you seen this in your own practice that people start to mimic the people that they spend time with and that their health actually becomes similar?
1: Yeah, I mean, I love that you bring up that study because it's super powerful to me too. That was transformative, you know, looking at, you know, the connectivity of humans you know uh, six degrees of separation they've actually shown that that is true around the entire world we are all connected and our ripple effect our ability to influence others has three degrees of separation. So when it comes to obesity or happiness or smoking or health habits, your friends, friends, friends has a very, has very strong predictor of how healthy you will be or how likely you will be to be obese or a smoker or abused alcohol. Like to me, that is fascinating. Uh, In fact, I It was probably very similar along the same information that you were finding. That happiness, if your friend's friend's friend is happy, that will increase your happiness by 6%. If you get a raise at work, that will raise your happiness by 2%. So who you spend your time with matters. How you show up in the world and how you connect with others truly matters. And yes, I do see this when people connect in this way, especially in a group like that, when you're talking about things other people may have never heard of before you know why to eat organic or why to drink green juices in the morning well that is a conversation if you didn't have access to that person you may have not thought of before and now you feel a a whole new inspiration to give that a try and then how that can affect your children and you sharing that green juice with your children or how that affects your family function or your spouse absolutely your health habits have this direct impact, especially on those really core people you keep around you. So you have to be very careful about who those people are and their health habits because they will absolutely influence yours.
0: So fascinating. And I think it's also on the it's on the positive. And also when we think about resilience and when life gets tough, friendships and community is so important one of the studies that i do remember i think that we referenced in an extended cut inside of broken brain was that um one of the researchers was at rice university and it was in that study published in the journal of health and psychology and they were looking at people that um, developed the flu in fact i think they had a control group and a regular group and they exposed them to um, viruses and bacteria and all this stuff got them sick and specifically then them through an isolation and there was a follow-up i believe survey for other people that were experiencing the cold and one of the things that they found is that people who repeatedly reported that they were felt isolated didn't recover as quickly from the flu so community not only has all these positive health benefits and not all these components where like we mimic the healthy habits just as you were saying for the people that we have around us and we're going to be the average of those five friends but also when life gets tough When we get sick, we just had a whole series of interviews on postpartum, which I know you work a lot with. and I'd love to talk Mm -hmm. to you about that. Mm -hmm. It's having those friends and those deep connections in our world that help pick us back up when things are challenging.
1: Yeah, I love that you bring that up. It's so true. Are you if prolonged social isolation has an anti like a it will lower your viral antiviral response. So the more time you spend alone, the higher risk you have to more viral infections, and you have poor healing capacity because you have higher inflammation. So. Yeah, it's really fascinating, and and I think driving these points home, I'm really emphasizing that this is so key to your body understanding that for it to create the right biochemistry to keep you healthy, you need connection.
0: It's so true. You know, you mentioned something, you do a lot of work with, not just in the space of community, but you have a practice that's dedicated to women's health especially. You know, you work with a lot of different people, of course, men, women, you know, kids, but you really specialize on women's health, and you shared something earlier about community And women's health and you shared that in this rebel tribe and when women are together and they're supporting each other one of the things that you saw was that they're more likely to trust their intuition because there's other people around them reinforcing that component it's easier to be brave and it's easier to make decisions can you think of uh, the decisions that you know that you want to make inside that maybe on your own you'd be a little bit scared to make or you question it or you doubt your intuition are there any stories that come to mind, or is there any sort of uh, examples of people that have come through this program or past patients stepping into that power and kind of making transformations uh, happen in their life?
1: Yeah, definitely. Someone I have in mind that ended up participating in in our community group. You know, really hesitated in the beginning because it didn't make sense to her family to commit the time, but she decided to make herself a priority. And do it, and um uh, throughout her journey, it was you know we would share and talk, and it really came to light that you know, she wasn't feeling fulfilled in the work that she was doing, and she was you know um doing some training in to so that she could make a career change, so she was educating herself so that she could one day maybe be able to leave the job she felt stuck in because it was really weighing her down, and it was holding her back from fulfilling her purpose or her mission but we can get so caught up in our story right so you know I need this job to be able to pay and feed my family and you know do all the things but through that experience and the joy that I think it brought in terms of having a stronger sense of community at the end she was able to make the decision that that job was no longer serving her and even though you know, she may not be totally clear on what the next steps are. And she wasn't the only one. There were several women who did this, but that they knew that living their truth and doing something that felt authentic to them and serving a mission and and giving them fulfillment mattered more than all the what-ifs and uh, the fears that will sink in that will keep you from taking that next step. But the fear of change became... A greater than or became less than the fear of staying the same, you know, so going and doing the grind and, and not enjoying your life weighed her down more than being brave enough to take actions to start her own new journey in, in life and live more authentically and now serving others. And the other fascinating thing is that a lot of these women ended up going out and creating community themselves, like community breeds community. So a lot of people who have made career changes since this are actually hosting community groups, community initiatives, and whatever their expertise is, which to me is totally inspiring and fascinating.
0: Mm. Let's dive deeper into the topic of, of women's health. You're a big advocate on women really understanding how their bodies work and having open conversations and In addition to the community that you do, you guys dive deep into the subjects uh, on this. And one of the things, uh, when we were talking previously, one of the things that you mentioned, which was so fascinating to me that I think would love to unpack a little bit more, is just talking very openly and directly about just how women's health is, is different and what women need to understand around that. So when you find that women come to you and they are dealing with health crisis of sorts, what are some of the big picture components that you have to help them reframe on when it comes to understanding their own health and how to live in harmony with it?
1: Yeah, so I think this can be a, a challenge for a lot of women and I think that's why the word rebel, why I chose it, you know, or the motivation behind choosing rebel has a lot to do with, you know, breaking the archetype. That is so strongly entrenched in in women, which is you know, be everything to everyone at all times, at the sacrifice of themselves. Right. So there's a lot of women in my practice who work full time jobs. They're responsible for drop off and pick up for, of their children. They go home. They prepare dinner. They put their kids to bed, and then they do the laundry, the cleaning, the preparing for the next day, the lunch packing, and then they do it all again. And they do this repetitively at the cost of their own, um, health. And, you know, it can creep up as total exhaustion or anxiety or depression, or just really feeling unsatisfied in life. And it's a really tough conversation to have with these women that they, they need to make themselves a priority. You know, in some level, they must know that that has to happen because they end up in my office. So they are choosing to make themselves a priority, but they can't even fathom what the next steps would be to give themselves permission to be able to do that. So that's how I see it present. And when it comes to having, you know, the community and and naming it rebel tribe is that I really emphasize that we have to help empower women and make themselves a priority. And there are certain things that we can understand about our menstrual cycle and feminine power that we can use, start to use as our power that will Give us the permission to at some parts of our menstrual cycle, some parts of our month and and life to give ourselves permission to be everything to everyone. But then there's also time that's built in for rest and reprieve and um, self-care and just hibernation almost.
0: And do do you feel like a big part of your role is being somebody to tell them that it's okay. In fact, it's needed to put themselves first. You need to you're giving them permission to do something that maybe they felt inside, but didn't know how to get started? Do you feel like that's a big part of your work?
1: Yeah, I do. I feel very responsible to be very honest with that information and helping women connect to that idea and try not to feel too guilty in taking steps, small steps into that direction of where they, they start to make themselves a priority. And make it okay to ask for help, give themselves permission to Mm -hmm. say no. And I really do emphasize how, you know, the way things were structured, you know, hundreds, thousands of years ago, when we did hang out more in communities and tribes, you know, uh, one woman wasn't expected to do it all. You can't be all things to all people. So I really try to educate them that, you know, you need to onboard your community. You need to find people, hire people. You need to find your people and help you do this so that you can reclaim some of your health back. You know, I think that's really important that women start to realize that they can't be that for everyone all the time, that they need to ask for help. And it's okay for someone, another woman or another individual to step up and be that for their child or be that for their family. You know, delegating and leaning on your tribe is absolutely necessary when we want to balance everything we want to do and have our health
0: and I'm always interested in like big ideas and and what it takes to help somebody understand and see the world with a different pair of glasses so this is you know we have dr. Michelle Paris she (laughs) sees this world because of her experiences because of her perspective in this unique way and you're trying to give these glasses over to your patient to the people that are part of your community and say hey try these on and maybe you can see things in your life a little bit differently so going back to this idea of like women putting themselves last and it being a challenge especially for moms is what I am hearing what do you think is a main distinction or idea that they take on that allows this transformation to happen is it around this idea that you mentioned before is it letting go of guilt is it something else like what's like the distinction that they used to see the world this way and now they see it this way like I can't put myself forward because everybody's dependent on me or I'd feel guilty if I put myself forward. So I got to do everybody else has to come first. Like what's the kind of shift you're helping them understand to make that transformation?
1: Yeah, I think guilt is a huge uh, motivating factor for women. It's funny. There was a conversation last night that just made me think about that. But a lot of women feel guilty, almost admitting they can't do it all you know, that they are—they can't get it all done. There's a huge sense of pride in being able to handle it. I think my job is to help them realize, you know, that energy isn't limitless, that there is a cost and, you know, that it will impact their health at some point. There will be a moment where they are going to have to make time for their health. So, you know, whether it be in listening to the whispers where their body's speaking to them about imbalances or it's the brick wall, you know, so it's really, I think community helps me as a clinician support women in this way in by educating, and empowering them in a one-on-one visit. For me, it's difficult to get to the core of a lot of these things. Like you can talk about maybe the situation at hand, but I think really to emphasize the global picture of why we're doing this and what this means and and tapping into their body and understanding how this works, then I think it gives them the permission and the empowerment to, to start doing things differently. And I think women hanging out with other women doing it differently is also inspiring because sometimes we get stuck in our story and that this is just the way it has to be. And I hear that a lot. You know, this is how it goes. My life's not going to change. This is what I got to do, but we got to reframe this. We got to find new priorities for you because at some point you have to make time for your health. You have to make time for you because when you have those moments of reprieve, and you let yourself rest, you realize how much more that gives you and how you're better able to serve your family, because that's important to you or yourself or help yourself thrive. So for me, I really do have to educate them on the why I have to help them get connected to their why. And I have to connect them to each other so they can see that there are different ways to do this.
0: You know, I think you mentioned such an interesting and important point is that even you as an empowered clinician, somebody who's had a lot of experience working with patients, you said something so powerful, which I think is so key here, is that if people are dealing with a health issue, no clinician on their own can be the answer to them. They can help you, they can point you in the right direction, but sometimes there's like deeper emotional stuff that's going on with your partner that your friends need to help you with. There's... Other life stuff where you maybe hate your job and you need community. So it's like community plus an amazing practitioner is really what's needed to help people to get to the root of their health issues.
1: Absolutely. I think when it offloads such pressure, right? If you can onboard a team, a community, whether it pertains to your health or anything you have going on in your life, it's like, oh, I don't have to carry that for, for everybody or, for my family, like someone else can help me out. And there's so much power in that. And that person may be more skilled at a certain situation and you may learn from that. So, you know, being open to letting people in. And the thing of I find really fascinating about community, I've heard Kelly Brogan talk about this with her online community, when she steps away as the clinician and lets the community sort of facilitate itself or have a facilitator, but they're learning from other people who have gone through what they're going through, they get better health outcomes. So community is key. Connecting with like-minded people is key and being open to learning new ways and finding new strategies through talking to other people is absolutely key.
0: Uh, A little earlier, you talked about this component of like women not having to have the pressure of doing it all, the internal pressure, the guilt of like, I gotta do it all, I gotta do it all. Of course, we wanna set up society in a way that women can do, and that's a big part of what's happening right now, and it's so beautiful and it's amazing, and we're completely changing the culture in small steps and big steps. We want women to have the ability to do anything that they wanna do, and then within themselves, we wanna allow them to just decide, you know, yes, you can do it all, but don't put yourself last let's put you first then you decide what you want to do now part of that conversation is a nuanced health conversation and you talk about this idea of honoring the natural cycles that women go through especially with their periods and their monthly cycles can you take us a little bit through that and how and an example of how you might try to focus on certain areas of your life like creativity during specific times of the month
1: yeah This is really powerful information for women. So I'm going to break it down to help give them some information about how to start thinking about their menstrual cycle differently. Uh, Because certainly the vocabulary that uh, exists can be rather negative and it's not celebrated, but it really is our internal built-in power. And I think it's an incredible tool for women to get more in touch with. So there are four phases of the menstrual cycle. There is the menstrual phase where you have your periods, and this is a built-in time for women for rest. Historically, there was the red tent. Women all cycled together. They left their community. They went to the red tent. They hung out with other women. They learned the wisdom from older women who've had those experiences, and there was that collective experience. But really, menstruation is a time to say no. It is a time of introspection. You have the power of presence of intuition, like turning inside. So being able to really check in with yourself, see how you're doing. If you feel like napping, you want to give yourself permission to do that. If uh, something doesn't resonate, you want to be able to say no. It's a really important built in rest time, which I love. Then you move on to the follicular phase, which is when our hormones start to rise, your uterine lining starts to build, your ovaries are making an egg. And this is a really... Uh, creative time for women. So women want to start thinking about or manifesting all the things they want to accomplish this month. What's their dream to-do list? What is their mission? What can they do in this month to help get them closer to their goals? They are creative at this time. They have energy. It's a good time for cardio exercise. So it's a really um, energetic time for women. Then you move on to ovulation, Which is where testosterone peaks. So, you know, there can be increased libido at this time. Women have this awesome power of presence for the external world at this time. So they are engaging to the world. The world, they love the world and the world loves them back. So, this is when you want to be pitching your ideas, offering, present, doing your presentations, asking for the raise. You were brave. You have. The vocabulary needed to accomplish what you need. In fact, I structure all my rebel tribe sessions around my ovulation so that I can give the women the information in a way that they deserve so that I can you know, have that full presence for them. If women love to do all things for all people and be there for everybody, this is the perfect time. They have the energy and the vitality to do that. And then you move on to the follicular phase. And the follicular phase is where hormones reach their peak and then they start to decline rapidly if there's no conception. This can be an interesting time for women. This is uh, where you should be wrapping up your to-do list. This is where you should be closing projects, um, getting things off your list so that you can go back into the menstruation phase of like slumber and rest. But a lot of challenges can come up at this time, a lot of insecurities. You can become very aware of, you know, your underlying core issues that you need to be working on. And so it's interesting because uh, we call a lot of these symptoms PMS women might feel more weepy or sad or anxious. And before I, you know, was on this mission of making sure they didn't experience any of that. And now that I I, I understand that menstrual cycle awareness a little bit more, I, I just want to help women sit with that and have. More power of presence with that and understanding that, yep, that's something I'm still working on. I still feel a little insecure about that. I'm going to be gentle with myself. This is a time if you are having a more challenging month that you do want to be a little more quiet and say no to things. If you're feeling a little more angry, you may want to make sure you're not having conversations in your luteal phase. Did I say follicular? I mean luteal because you might say things you don't actually mean. You might feel more aggravated with the world, especially if you're not doing um, the things that you want to be doing. So yeah, it can be a more sensitive time for women. And then you want to go back into retreating into menstruation. So what I love about this is that you can structure your month in a way to utilize your powers when, when you should be using them. So For myself, I've got, you know, fairly young kids. So it's not like, you know, I get to retreat to the tent and not see my family for a week. That's unfortunately not the way it works. But I can take the extra nap if I need it. I can say no. I can ask for help. I can choose not to go to the gym if I don't have the energy and just let myself sleep. Um, so I will definitely honor that in that time. Uh, when it comes to my follicular phase, I definitely start dreaming. I reach out to my associates and my friends and my colleagues and think about all the things I want to accomplish. I try and schedule as, as many projects at this time, to get things going. And then, uh, at ovulation, I, I really love to have, uh, all my presentations and my more challenging conversations, because I know I will be able to handle that in the most authentic way, um, and be able to show up as myself and uh, have people see my personality, but be also articulate enough to be able to deliver what I want them to know. And then in the luteal phase, I, will retreat a little bit. This is a more challenging phase for me. It's more yin in nature. It's challenging for me because I'm a little more young in nature. I'm a little more out there. I'm more extroverted and outgoing. So I find this particular time in my cycle more challenging. So I will advocate for myself and say no and slow down and close up projects and not take anything new on at that time. So I love that. And when women share with me what they learn and how they utilize that, I find that really fascinating. It's really inspiring and it helps women understand themselves a bit better.
0: And I think that that's, I think that's what the central message of it is. Everybody might be a little bit different. Their cycles might be different. Their their energy, you know, again, probably, you know, them being an extrovert or introvert. But I think the moral of the story is that there are shifts that are there that are central to The female biology and the beautiful design of women's bodies and to honor those shifts whatever you might be feeling and and dealing with to to trust that intuition and it's not just some random little thought that's happening in the head it's a strong internal uh voice that's trying to direct you towards what it needs
1: Yeah. I love that. It I hear women say to me, like, it helped me increase my understanding or be gentler to myself that I was going through this. I was having this tough time, or I really felt like, you know, going out. So I let myself enjoy, or I did have that tougher conversation when I knew I was able to handle it. That to me is an incredible thing. And I think seeing your menstrual cycle as your power versus this monthly, pain, which is the current vocabulary. If you see it on television or women talking about it, it's not talked about in this powerful way. And it really is a woman's power. And what I loved women sharing with me about when they learned this curriculum, was they were so excited to be able to teach their daughters a new way. And to me, that is like that ripple effect, right? Like now we can influence the younger generation thinking differently about their periods and their experience.
0: Yeah, it doesn't have to be this shameful thing that they hide and try to stay away from the world. It can be this powerful opportunity to really step into the strengths that they have and everything that they're going through. Absolutely. Dr. Paris, you have so many great projects you're up to. I want to go through them. There's three in particular that I'm thinking about. The clinic, the podcast, and of course, Rebel Tribe. We talked about it earlier. For people that are interested and for people that um, happen to be in Canada or even I mean, you see people internationally, people who fly in. Tell us a bit more about the clinic and um, and how people can work with you over there.
1: Awesome. Yeah. So we are the Poppy Clinic and we are in Oakville, which is near Toronto, uh, GTA. And we are an integrative health clinic. We have four naturopathic doctors and various clinicians to help optimize health. Uh, We have IV therapy, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, and uh, a huge emphasis on community. So we have meditation nights, we have Rebel Tribe, we have yoga. Um, There's a lot going on at the clinic, and we're just really emphasizing that community piece when it pertains to, to your health optimizing and also being able to, we do lots of group detoxes as well. So always being able to give you the tools that you need to take your health to the next level. So obviously there's one-on-one consultation, but if we're recommending meditation or community or nutrition, then we're also providing you the opportunity to be able to do that, to be able to learn about it in a safe space with others.
0: Yeah. And you host uh, one of your other projects there, uh, Rebel Tribe, which I just saw uh, your recent round sold out. Congratulations.
1: Thank you. And if
0: people want to participate in future tribes, how would they do that?
1: Yes. Great question. Okay. So Rebel Tribe is once a month. We launch a spring semester in May and we have a fall semester in September and soon there will be a winter semester. We also have the alumni for graduates. We will also soon be launching Rebel Tribe Mama, which will be a prenatal postnatal Raw Conversations six week program that we're really excited about for women to be able to access. And we will very soon be putting Rebel Tribe online so that we can reach a more global audience. So if that interests you, then there is a Rebel Tribe page on the website and you can sign up so you can be the first to know when that is being launched.
0: Not and excited. then there
1: is. Yeah, I'm super excited for that. And then, yes, the podcast. So it's Rebel Talk with Dr. Michelle Paris and it's weekly and we have incredible healthcare practitioners and women sharing their story to help enhance the health and wellness of of the listeners. And we have created a Facebook group for that as well. So.
0: Yeah, that's always amazing. trying to
1: create community. Yeah.
0: And you do uh, you, you have women sharing their story. You also have uh, awesome men coming in and talking yes. about, you know, women's health and brain health and other stuff like that. You, you just had Dr. K who was on our podcast as well on your podcast, episode number two, I believe it was. Yes, and right. um, and so if anybody heard of Dr. K here on our podcast wants to dive deeper, ch- check out other incredible guests that uh, Dr. Paris has on her podcast. Check out the link in the show notes uh, for the podcast. Where can they find you on uh, social media?
1: They can find the clinic at poppyclinic.com and my social media is Dr. Michelle Paris.
0: Well, Dr. Paris, I just want to express some gratitude for how much emphasis you place on community. I'm really big on friendship and community because I've seen it's the single biggest factor that allows our health goals to be sustainable and actually practical. We have to change our environment that we're in by surrounding ourselves with incredible people and here you are as a practitioner not only teaching it but creating a model and a modality that people can like drop into and and hopefully through listening to this interview maybe even see if they can replicate in that area and they can be in touch with you about that but the work is so important and it's what we need in this modern day and age of isolation and people feeling like they don't have those deep connections so thank you so much for coming on this podcast and for the incredible work that you do
1: Thank you so much, Drew. And I, I really appreciate all the work you do on community as well. It's very inspiring.
0: Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the interview. Just a reminder this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not, I repeat, it's not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or otherwise qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you're looking for help in your journey, seek out a qualified medical practitioner. If you're looking for a functional medicine practitioner, you can visit ifm.org and search their find a provider database. It's important that you have somebody in your corner that's qualified, that's trained, that's a licensed healthcare practitioner helping you make changes especially when it comes to your health.